Hi, this is Chris McGregor of Discerning Hearts. Can you please help support this vital ministry? Discerning Hearts is a 100% listener-supported Catholic apostolate. Now through the end of August, please prayerfully consider making a sacrificial gift to help us raise $30,000 to fund truly life-changing Catholic programming and prayer. The financial contributions of listeners like you enables us to continue this important ministry. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Your donations are fully tax-deductible. As an independent, non-for-profit lay organization that is not affiliated financially with any diocese, our apostolate is fully listener-supported. Again, between now and the end of August, please visit discerninghearts.com to make your donation. Thank you, and God bless you from all of us at Discerning Hearts. The following is offered by Discerning Hearts, a 501 nonprofit Catholic apostolate dedicated to spiritual formation through the use of digital media. To download this selection, or to browse hundreds of other programs, or to contribute to our mission with a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, visit our website at discerninghearts.com. Ignatius Press and the Augustan Institute present The Formed Book Club. Catholic book lovers unpacking good books chapter by chapter. If you like us, please help us by subscribing and by reviewing us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you might listen. And don't forget to sign up for weekly updates and study questions at formedbookclub.ignatius.com. Welcome to the Film Book Club. We continue to discuss the drama of Atheist Humanism by Henri Lubac. We're beginning the chapter uh, in part two, which is on Auguste Comte. This chapter is called Christianity and Catholicism. We talked about his desire to replace religion by positivism, not even to talk about God or ask questions about God, but simply to make man the object of our worship. Uh, but it turns out that he wants a structure that will answer questions in man's mind and heart, and he sees in Catholicism something which may suit his purposes. Joseph, I turn it over to you. Well, thank you. I, I, uh, the first I have is at the bottom of 182. So if anybody has anything before that, then uh, chime in. Well, in the very first page of the chapter 180, the bottom of that paragraph, five lines up, he says, in a word, between Christianity and Catholicism, he thinks, that is, quote, it is possible to establish a con- contrast that will enable him, while condemning the former, that is, Christianity, to exalt the latter, or his own idea of it, and even to go to the length of seeking a temporary alliance with its leaders. Mm-hmm. So he, well, as we'll see, he wants the Jesuits to rally to his cause uh, and be, you know, the promoters of pot, which has actually happened to some extent. But mm-hmm. uh, and actually, it reminds me, Father, of uh, of Napoleon. You know that Napoleon began obviously as a French revolutionary and and had no time for um, for Catholicism. But he realized, uh, partly because of the Vendée uprising and, and, and the resistance of the, uh, of the Catholics in Italy to the invasion of Italy, that, you know, basically that the, the Catholic Church is somewhat, you want, it's much better to try to seduce the Catholic Church so that it can actually become your tool than to try to crush it, which is much more difficult than it seems. And I think then that this is just pure Machiavellian rule politic, you know, philosophically in the part of Comte and uh, militarily on the part of, uh, of Napoleon. Although I would I would say that there, the distinction, uh, <laughs> if there is one, 
lies where Comte is trying to penetrate what makes man tick and how do you supply these needs of of men, but it's anything but God. So we have to we have to get rid of God, but now what are we going to replace God with? Because man still seems to need these things. And so yeah, he's, uh, an, he's, an, he's an engineer, Vivian. You know, yes. he, he thinks mechanistically. So yes. we don't want God. We don't want anything transcendent. But the church is a mechanism, yes. right? It's so effective and efficient. We could just somehow use the mechanism to basically as as a, as a means to our end. I mean, yes, he's a parasite, right? You have something in place that works, and what I want to do is infect that and use it for my own purposes, and not. Yes. Yeah. If I make, make a gloss on that of contemporary relevance, at least now for the past half century, there are many people who simply don't accept the teachings of the church. They don't want to leave the church. They want to change the church because they realize if I leave the church, who am I? Who cares? Right. So you have priests, you know, who will, who will support things which are contrary to the Catholic teaching, but they don't want to leave. Their megaphone is gone. So Comte had the same idea. We have to have a structure here that we can use for our purposes. I think uh, even worse than that, Father, it's a bit of a tangent, but uh, but it's worse than that. It's not just the microphone is gone, so is the house and the income. Uh, in, in other words, the, 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 the priests, they know that they, 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 they don't believe anymore, right? They, 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 they're basically not Catholics anymore, but they've got a free lunch ticket for the rest of their lives. So they're just in within the church as something just sucking the life out of the church thankfully because we have christ and the mystic body of christ they can't succeed but that's what they're doing so again on page 180 just the, this next section the first section is called anti-social christianity and his point is he hammers it on into it again and again is that christianity is anti-social and god is anti-social why because our salvation is between us as individuals and God, nothing else matters. Well, you have to have blinders on to see the church is antisocial, but I can understand where he gets that idea. Because yeah, he's a sociologist. Well, I mean, it, it's, 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 society is an abstract concept. It's, and, it's and precisely individuals a problem. It's precisely because Christianity gives prominence to the human person, to the human individual that Comte finds that antisocial. In other words, even our salvation, or he po pokes fun at, on page 184, even when the church teaches charity toward your fellow man, um, it's still egoism. In the, the middle of 184, it's still okay. egoism, for it is provoked by the reason given for the rule, for the sake of the love of God. Now, that really jumped out of me because in one of Dietrich von Hildebrand's books, and I don't remember which one, he says that this construct at the way it was taught, uh, he found a problem with it too. That uh, if you're going to say only love your brother for the sake of loving God, not love your brother and love God by loving your brother, but love your brother for the sake of this other thing. So now you're making loving your brother a means to some kind of fulfillment of yourself. And Comte is criticizing that, and maybe even rightfully so, because von Hildebrand also criticized this 
con- construction and the way it, it, people understood it and maybe even tried to live it out. Well, Vivian, Vivian if, I, if, I might, if I might beg to differ somewhat, uh, if I'm understanding comp uh, and, and understanding you, if we go to the po- bottom of page 182 here, he says, theology has infected metaphysics. In other words, on the plane of concrete facts, it is the personalism of the Christian religion that has given birth to the personalism of modern philosophy. That philosophy who's dominating through it, thought is constantly that of the ego, that's basically what you're saying, the self. All other existences being hazily shrouded in a negative conception, their vague sum total constituting the non-ego, while the notion of we secures no direct and distinct place in it. So it's not, I don't think it comes talking about, uh, you know, if I'm being selfish, if I love my neighbor because I love God. What he's saying is if I am being me as opposed to being subsumed within we, in other words, it's the society, right, versus the individual, that somehow or other I have to be part of this, this, this abstract thing which is bigger, right, society, that, that, that subscribes to a set, uh, set of values. Uh, if I'm not that, then I'm an egocentric uh, dissident uh, and, and I, I'm in trouble, right? So I, I, if you look at that, it's not, it, I don't think it's because, I mean, I agree with what you're saying and what Van Hildebrand is saying, but I don't think that is what Comte is saying. Well, I think Comte he is saying we have to mm. subsume ourselves and subsist within the we. Yes. And so far as we are the I, we are being egocentric, and that is an enemy of the we. Well, the, the we is big brother, right? Um, the society versus the individual. Right. I, I think he's saying both of these things. I agree with you that Comte is saying what you just said, that because Christianity, this is why he has no room, as we'll see later on, for even the existence of a conscience, an individual conscience, where you won't do something because you think it's wrong. Even that for Comte is egoism because there's an I involved, a personal I, right? And and because Christianity talks about the salvation of the person, a relationship with God with the person, and so on, this is a threat to this big we that you're talking about. There can be no individuals in this big we, and this we obliterates the individual. He is saying that. He's also saying that even when the church talks about brotherhood, Somehow its reference point is the I, because I'm doing it for some other reason that accrues to me, to my salvation. So I think he's saying both what you were saying and what I'm saying. I don't think they, what you're saying yeah, okay. and what I'm, I'm saying I'm not, I'm cancel not, each yeah, other I'm out. Yeah, the other thing that Marx also criticizes not only Christianity for this, but Judaism for this as well, for the ego, the existence of the ego, the existence of the I, the existence of the person who's in a personal relationship with God. Right, and, and also a personal relationship with his neighbor. So the whole yes. idea of brother as an abstract concept, of brotherhood as an abstract concept. No, I have to love the neighbor, the person yes. that I'm looking at now, not That's some right. abstract concept of the we in some sort of amorphous sense. And that's what he doesn't get. Uh, That's right. I, I don't think you're right. right. It, it, but the I think, as you said, Vivian, uh, he takes this idea that we love our neighbor for the sake of God as being egoism. But the, the the positive interpretation is that look, this particular neighbor is not very lovable, right? But I believe he's a child of God just like I am, and therefore, because I know he's lovable, 
I will love him, even though I don't see lovable things there. Right. In a certain sense, it it leads you to the neighbor as who he is through God, in whom you've got confidence that there's goodness. Right. But that's taking it farther than there's another place here where Delubach says, you know, the Christianity that he rejects, he doesn't even know what Christianity is. He he and and that is so true for so many of these people when they reject Christianity or they run to replace Christianity with something else that they think is superior to it. it, it yeah, it's dangerous because we, we we want to meet these people on the level of reason because it's philosophy and and they are they are they're claiming to be rational and they're certainly using rational constructs, right? So, but we you know he he decided when he was thirteen years old, yeah, that God didn't exist. That's right, right. And, and the rest of his life is an effort to prove that to himself, right? Um, which he because he's obviously a genius. <laughs> Um, but he's managed to persuade other people that uh, his position, which is a, a ultimately a subjective one, not an objective one, is true. Um, but really, this is this is egocentric in his part. I don't want. I, I find the idea of God in, insufferable. I will not suffer it. I'm going to prove it doesn't. Uh, he doesn't exist. This recalls to me the one of the many wonderful insights of Chesterton in Everlasting Man, where he says that. The best place to be is inside the church. The next best place is to be totally outside of it, seeing it as a strange thing. Yes. The worst place is to be on the edge where you think you know what it is, but you don't, and it's, you're criticizing that you don't understand. It's so true. Yeah. It's so Absolutely. true. Amen. Amen. Yep. Amen. Yep. Well, next I have is, is, is 187. So if anybody beats that, uh, go for it. We'll return to the Forum Book Club with Father Joseph Fessio, Vivian Dudreau, and Joseph Pierce in just a moment. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all that I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace. That is enough for me. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. 
If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to the Formed Book Club with Father Joseph Fezio, Vivian Dudreau, and Joseph Pierce. This is the, this is the section, Jesus and St. Paul, as you exactly. said. Exactly. And, and, and both of you could probably speak on this better than I can. Um, you know, this, this rather weird fetishism. I have to use that word because we're talking about Compte. Um, you know, he, this, this sort of fetish he has about St. Paul and his hatred of Jesus. Yes. I mean, you know, it, it, it is quite clear. This is just, it's, it's a hatred of Jesus. Yes. So um, four lines down, the space given in Comte's religion to the cult of great men is well known, right? So he, 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 he likes, I won't say idolizes, but he reveres great men. These benefactors of humanity are not exclusively men of science or of thought, great captains or great statesmen. They are founders of religions among them. But in this list, which includes Confucius, Moses and Muhammad, the name of Jesus would be sought in vain. In a first version of the calendar in 1848, Comte had thought of making Jesus St. John the Baptist's deputy. <laughs> Quote, but I soon recognized, he said later, that he did not deserve even that humble rank. I mean, this is pathological. He goes frank. on, on the bottom of 187, starting there, that person, meaning Jesus, was only a religious adventurer and had contributed nothing to mankind. He was essentially a charlatan. He should be regarded as no more than a false founder, a suppositious founder, whose long apotheosis will henceforth be greeted with irrevocable silence. Irrevocable. Irre 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 irrevocable. 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 I think it's... Well, I'm, 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 so I'm the Englishman here, and you're both Americans, and I'm agreeing with father. So okay. that must make father right. All right. So the point is, this is what he thinks of Jesus. Yeah, and I tell you what, you know, I, I I watched last week this film Nefarious. I don't know if you've seen that. Um, this new film, it's basically like, it's a bit like the screw tape letters. It's very good, um, but it's about a man who's possessed. And this the, 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 this sort of venting of the spleen, uh, the salivating when one talks about Jesus. Right, it's diabolical. This is the nearest comp gets to me to sounding as though, quite frankly, he's possessed. Well, Lucifer was the light bearer, the most brilliant of the angels, I suppose. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, immediately below that, by the way, it's what I have next. So, if we may as well carry on from where we just left off, Vivian. Christ's contribution would have been purely destructive if it had not been almost immediately amended, <laughs> the first reformer, by St. Paul, who comes in for a fervent cult on Comte's part. He is the great, the wonderful, the incomparable St. Paul. True, he shares that last title with a number of other great men. With Caesar and Charlemagne, he's one of the three principal founders of the West, whose memory is to be solemnly celebrated every year. So he's one of the triumvirate uh, with, uh, with and, Charlemagne and, and Caesar. And remember, uh, the effort is to sever St. Paul from Christ. Christ. And remember, the reason why they're being celebrated every year is because 
Comte has invented a liturgical calendar to replace the Roman calendar with all these feasts of great men. And uh, this is, yeah, this is a stop. Father, what light could you shed on this divorce of Jesus and Paul that... I was just going to say, I mean, uh, he's no... He's brilliant. He's talented. He's a writer. He's a thinker. But how much of St. Paul can you actually have read? And then it comes to the conclusion that St. Paul is, hates Jesus or is doing something different from Jesus. I mean, Christ, I live now. Christ, I even did him. You know, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. me. I mean, yeah. Yeah. yeah the, thing, the, thing, the thing that's just struck me here, actually, from talking about this, I've just realized. I, I don't. I, I don't know if I'm correct. Uh, shoot me down if I'm not. The Comte is 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 uh, literally um, Kantian in the sense that he is nothing except his thought. In other words, there's nothing really in anything he says that's outside the abstract. There's nothing concrete. So the taking up of the cross, the being crucified, the laying down your life for your friend, all of this really concrete drama of reality is absent from his thought it's all completely abstract there's nothing concrete so jesus could just be put on one side as an abstract non-entity and so paul can be can be revered as an abstract uh great where's the drama of of of, of life in any of this but I understand why is Paul more abstract than Jesus? I don't see that. Well, because Paul, Paul, because St. Paul um, is largely commenting, you know, his footnotes on the gospel, right? So, so, so he he's teaching, uh, not an abstract in, in in a reductionist sense like Comte, but he's teaching what are the practical, you know, what you know, what are the practical and the- theoretical, theological uh, uh, consequences of what Jesus did and said. So mm-hmm. he's a footnote. In, you know, in, 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 in the best sense of the word, but he's not the gospel. He's not. He's not the action of Jesus Christ. And Comte seems to be devoid and divorced from, you know, the drama of the concrete reality of being a human person who's living. Does this man ever live? Well, okay, I'm recovering. Recall my mind's a little fuzzy. I'm not quite following that, but I'll. Maybe you want to comment or? Well, I just will quote the Lubach here. On 192, in the middle of the top paragraph, at any rate, it may be said that here is the most paradoxical fact that history has to offer. Under the apparent continuity of one and the same tradition, Christianity was to transform itself into its opposite via St. Paul. So the worst was to become the best. So... I think De Lubach himself is mystified as to how Comte could see it this way, that that, that that Paul would turn Christianity into its opposite. And like I said, later on, De Lubach makes the comment that De Comte doesn't understand Christianity at all. So like you say, is he, is he, Joseph, is, is Comte engaging in these generalizations because he hasn't even really read St. Paul, hasn't even read the Gospels, really? I mean, maybe he just didn't attend to it in much detail at all and just deals with straw men and caricatures and He's his taking from, what, taking from what, he, what he wants, right? I think yeah. something very interesting. I now speak as a literature person. Top of page 191 here, and, the, and, and this is Delubach. And thank you to God, you know. Delubach uh, interjecting here uh, 
uh, a voice of sanity in the midst of this lunacy. Uh, <laughs> uh, evidently, Comte was not altogether devoid of a novelist's imagination. We <laughs> saving grace, perhaps. St. Paul coming to worship Jesus sincerely because the latter saved him from the necessity, always hateful to an upright man, letting himself be worshipped, is a pretty idea to have hit upon. <laughs> so basically, St. Paul, being the great man that he is, doesn't want to be worshipped, so he deflects the adulation that he's getting on, projects it onto Jesus. So that, so you know, that this is the way. So for, for the Lubach, this is this is this, this is the nearest that, that uh, to me that Comte becomes alive, a novelist's imagination. Somehow, or other, we, we, we're going to make St. Paul a character, right? Who 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 needs to uh, deflect and project uh, the adulation he's receiving onto this non-entity, Jesus Christ. I mean, that's it's uh, it's, it's nonsense, but it's certainly imaginative. Well, and it's based on that episode where maybe there's even more than one in the Acts of the Apostles where the people are actually about to sacrifice uh, livestock to Paul and Barnabas. Uh, and Barnabas. <clears throat> one of them was going to be one god and the other the, is going to be uh, Mercury, Hermes, yeah. Mercury, yeah. Uh, you know, <clears throat> and, and, and Paul, like a good Jew, you know, tears his garment. No, no, no. Stop yourselves from this abomination of idolatry we are not god you know so that we are men like you so this does actually happen in the acts of the apostles so but to then run with that and say that paul's entire devotion to christ is to prevent the worship of himself i mean i I mean it would make a great novel it'd make a diabolical novel but it'd make a great novel and as i said this is the lubac basically it's ironically and 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 yeah, paradoxically, humanizing Comte, who to me otherwise is someone who lives within an abstract nightmare. Uh, the fact that he has an imagination where he can sort of project some sort of story, <laughs> um, which is at least not part of the abstract nightmare, humanizes it somewhat. But uh, thanks be to God for Deluba, uh, that, that that's just a voice of freshness. Well, you know, we something, we something, just, something just occurred to me, um, which... Father, you're going to have to correct me if I'm off base here, but have ever, ever restrained myself in the Um <laughs> you know, the whole ressourcement movement in theology where we have to get back to the original sources. We have to ro- read the actual scriptures. We have to read the fathers. We have to not these um textbook things where Scriptures have just been clipped out and stuck in or excerpts from this great thinker or this one, because even Therese of Lisieux, I was shocked when I found out that when Therese of Lisieux was in the Carmel, those women were not allowed to read the Bible. They could only read excerpts that had been extracted out of the Bible and edited for their use. Because, you know, it's just too dangerous to let people just read on their own these original things. I mean, they might draw the wrong conclusions. We have to give them excerpts and then tell them what they mean and that kind of thing. And so I'm trying to place Comp now in this historical context of, you know, we're so astonished at how ignorant he is of the actual Gospels or of the actual and these extrapolated all these crazy uh, things. Well, 
You know, how were people educated then? Were they actually reading the actual scriptures for themselves? Were they actually, or, or was the Catholicism he was raised on actually a very, you know, I don't know. I, I It's possible. Well, but the, but the, the other way of seeing that, and I'm not disagreeing with anything you said, but the other way of seeing that is the danger of reading scripture uh, outside of the light of tradition. Uh, and I've because well, I'm not saying the nuns not even allowed to read the Bible. I'm not saying that. But the point is that if someone who's ignorant of the magisterium is let loose on the Bible, he will come up with all sorts of weird and wacky ideas, as as we see from the the numerous sects and multifarious sects that are out there that have done exactly that. So yes, we do course. have to read scripture in the light of tradition, in light of yes, the magisterium. Of course, I'm not arguing against that. I'm only saying that to not let people read the Bible at all. Because they might make an error, I think there's Absolutely. a problem there. That. Of course, you're correct on that. But I think the danger is, and what Comte's done, he, he because he doesn't read the Bible he, in the light of tradition, he is he's he's taking it, uh, taking his pride and prejudice to it, and seeing what he wants to see, and picking and choosing, and I would and, and coming up with his own version of things. And I'm speculating he never read the Bible at all. That's what I'm speculating. Well, you know, he had to read some of it anyway. The parts that were given to him to read. But also... Uh, In school or whatever. There is a tradition, I mean, it's an intellectual tradition, which is very strong, that sees that, you know, Jesus confined himself for the most part to the lost people of God, you know, the Jews. He did go to Tyre in that area. But Paul was the one who was a big, great missionary. Right. You know, went to... Went to Europe, you know, crossed the Bosporus there, went into Macedonia. And Paul was both a missionary, preacher, and also a theological, you know, genius that people, some people can say it, it's Paul who shaped Christianity uh, with its theological structure and who spread it to, the, to Europe and from there elsewhere. And so, uh, they give Paul a very prominent place in the founding of the church, right? As an outward, you know, structure, right? And so I can see how Kant might have, you know, in that line of thought, seen Paul as more important than Christ himself, right? Especially if, as it appears, he didn't even read Saint Paul, because well, as you well, were saying, I, Father, I, if he read I, I, him. How could he possibly well, think? I, I that think I think what goes on in the Carmel is not the same thing as what goes on in, in the milieu of Cohen. I don't think there was any any prohibition of reading the whole Bible outside of Carmel. I, I'm not even saying that it was necessarily prohibited. I'm saying it wasn't done, whether it was prohibited or not. Oh, it no, wasn't well, that's, done. That's real spe- I mean, he I, went to the lycée and then immediately to that polytechnic university thing. I mean, really, what kind of education? I'm I'm speculating, and I'll stop because now this is turning into an argument that I never mean to start. No, I'm only not. saying I was only speculating on the question: How could anyone who really read the Gospels and the letters of Paul come to the conclusion that Paul had nothing to do with Christ? It's easy. Our father's answer: It's easy. He's an academic. Okay, I was well, just yeah, trying that, to speculate. I like I like, I like that, and it's better than mine, but I was going to say it's easy because he hates Jesus. In other words, the, everything is being read in the light or the darkness or the shadow of despising Christ. So hmm. everything okay. he reads, including St. Paul, is how do I destroy Jesus Christ? Right. For some reason or other, he just despises Jesus, and I 
uh, I'm not a psychologist. And I don't know comp well enough to know why, but uh, clearly he does. Empirically, using his own methods, <laughs> sociologically, using his own methods, looking at him, he's someone who's quite clearly has allowed his, his, his whole understanding of reality to be clouded by the fact he despises Jesus Christ. And to think he was homeschooled by devout Catholic parents until he was about nine or ten years old, it's, <laughs> it's uh, a sobering thought. Yeah. Scary, in fact. So uh, what, what, what do we want to do now as we come towards the end, Father? I mean, I I've think we're, we're at the end of a section here. Yeah. yeah. End of a section, a perfect time to conclude. So we will see you all next session. God bless you all. If you enjoyed this discussion, please help spread the word about the Forum Book Club by subscribing to the podcast and writing a review. You can sign up for weekly updates at formedbookclub.ignatius.com.